Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. I'm Martin Harsberger. This morning, I have Bing Carbone, president of Modern Plastics. Welcome. Thank you very much, Martin. Good to be here. Well, tell me about, I, I, one thing I looked at, saw you've been in business 77 years, which is pretty neat. Tell me about the company. Yeah, so uh, it is 77 years in 2022. Um, the company was started in 1945 by my grandfather, um, Joseph Carbone, and uh, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And it was really uh, a glass company at that point. So it was called Modern Glass. And the reason being is because plastics really wasn't around at that time period. I mean, there were some, you know, basic plastic materials like phenolics and et cetera, but uh, plastics was not mainstream at that point. Um, so it wasn't until uh, maybe five, six years later um, that things like plexiglass sheet, which I think everybody knows, um, used a lot during the pandemic for sure, um, came into play. We were, became one of the first distributors in North America to start to distribute that product. And uh, I think my grandfather saw the value um, in plastic materials and that it was going to be the future. You might remember the, the Dustin Hoffman film, The Graduate. And, uh, <laughs> yes. I'm going to say one word to you, plastics. And, and they were right um, because plastics uh, really has uh, taken over the world in a big way. And we can certainly talk about that today. But the company uh, advanced. Um, at the time, we had uh, a number of locations in New England. Um, family business, um, father came into the business, uh, later on when I got out of college in 1984, um, had a brother in the business, three sisters, father, myself, and kind of a mother on the sidelines. So it wow. was, a, it was definitely a, a family business at that point. Um, and, um, you know, we started to change the company uh, quite a bit, it became modern plastics. Uh, we kind of dropped the glass business. Uh, and we realized that, Going forward, um, if you know we were basically going to survive, we had to change the company, and that meant the kinds of products that we sold, uh, the quality um, that kind of was lacking, um, not only uh, in our company but with our suppliers relative to uh, the quality of the materials. And ISO really wasn't a thing back then, um, so uh, we changed the company dramatically. Uh, and now we've really become uh, an elite global plastics distributor of high performance engineering grade stock shapes and medical plastics. And in fact, the medical plastics part of the business makes up the bulk of, of what we do. And it's amazing what has happened and the advancements with plastics. And we can talk about uh, that, uh, particularly with medical. And I do have some parts that we can show at some point here as well. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I mean, the medical side. Well, usually I ask somebody, how did you get involved in this business? But it's pretty obvious how you got involved. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, 
I started going to the company when I was like six years old. So every every summer vacation, uh, every day off from school, um, every holiday, uh, I was down at Modern Plastics in Bridgeport and learning the business uh, from sweeping the floors, cleaning out the machines, learning how to operate the machines, learning how to fulfill orders, et cetera, and eventually into my position within the sales office. Um, so. You know, it was one of those things that I, I grew to love. And, uh, you know, when I got out of college, you know, one thing that my father did say to me, he said, look, you're not obligated to come into the family business. Um, you can do other things if you want. And I did have other offers, et cetera. But specifically, I went to a local college in Fairfield, Connecticut called Sacred Heart University. And I went there because after class, I could travel three miles down the road and be at the company. Um, so I kind of had the best of both worlds there, got my education, but I stayed close and local um, to the business. And uh, I have had one job my entire life. Um, I've never had to work on a resume or go for a job interview. Uh, I think I'm around 43, 44 years now at the same job. And I absolutely love it. I can't wait to come to work. I'm up at 3.30 a.m. I'm typically at work by... 4.35 o'clock, um, and it gives me the quiet time before yeah. things really heat up during the day. So I love what I do. I really do. Now, That's 2006, the company was sold. And um, our parent company is just fantastic. Um, they're a very private company. Um, so I'm not going to talk about them a lot, um, but they're an enormous global uh, company. Um, that basically buy distribution companies. And um, it was one word they talked to me about, um, which I, find it, I found it hard to believe in the beginning. And they talked about this decentralized model and they talked about uh, the word autonomy. Um, they talked about it a lot. And uh, that, really, um, that really struck a chord um, because you know, they basically go around buying very good companies and Unlike other mergers and acquisitions, they leave you alone to run the business and they provide all the support that you need, but they just want us to sell plastics. They handle everything else. Just sell the plastics, do your thing, make decisions, make good quality decisions. Um, we've had you know up and down years from time to time. I mean, we're uh, on track for another record year. We've been having great years and a great expansion, et cetera. Um, but it's a remarkable company and they have faith in their people to do their job. And it's a very rare situation these days. It really is. Well, it really is. Yeah. Just usually they try to roll it up and, and they never, they never gain the synergies they think they're going to gain and that, that rather than enhance businesses they acquire, they usually take yeah. value away. Well, I think one shining example uh, of that is uh, the fact that we retained all our employees, virtually all of them. Um, and when I say that, I, I'm talking about average years of experience in our warehouse exceeding 17 years. In our office, it's over 20 years. And you don't keep people uh, for that long of a period unless they're being respected, unless they're having fun, unless they're being paid well. Um, you know, all those factors come, come into play and, uh, and uh, we're able to give that sort of environment um, and that autonomy. 
so the autonomy I have, I pass down <clears throat> to my people as well. So the only time I might get upset is if they're not making decisions, especially when it comes to the customer. Now, we might make a, a little misstep here and there, but we're not going to make catastrophic mistakes. And especially when it comes to the customer, they really have the authority on the spot to make those decisions to keep our customers happy. Well, that's a that's a real uh, signifying thing that you're keeping employees that long in this environment, because one of the things I hear all along, all the time is employee turnover, can't, can't attract employees, can't retain employees, that kind of thing. So that says a lot about the core values and, and uh, the operation of the company, I think. You said a key word there. We do have uh, four or five core values. Um, and this is one of the criteria that we look for when we hire people. Now we can train people to do the jobs here, but if they're not, and I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna use it as a cultural fit, but more so, do they understand our core values, which are pretty basic. Um, and, and they talk about uh, continuous self-improvement. They talk about honesty, integrity, character, et cetera. Um, so if they're a fit, into our core values, then typically they're a fit to be hired. Well, it's, it's interesting because when you talk about core values, what I've done the last 17 years after I, I ran a company for 16 years before that, and, but what I've done is work with companies, manufacturing supply chain companies primarily because I like it, <laughs> but, but work on strategic planning and execution. Yeah. The missing link in strategic planning is execution. I mean, having planned doesn't do any good, but, but, 20 years ago, if you talked about core values, it was uh, something you posted in a lobby saying this is, you know, integrity, whatever they are. And nobody paid any attention to them. But today it's critical to be in the environment we're in with social media and everything else. If you've got core values and you really live them like you seem to be doing, that, that message goes out far and wide. And if you don't, it also goes out far and wide. Yeah. So I think it's a critical piece today. Now, you're right. And I, and I think, uh, call them the old days, uh, companies would have these uh, mission statements, not necessarily core values, but mission statements, you know, hung up in the lobby that you're right. Nobody read, nobody understood. What did they mm -hmm. really mean? Um, <clears throat> so again, the core values is something we talk about all the time here with our employees and and uh, especially with our, with our new hires. And uh, it's a very, very important aspect to our business. Well, obviously, you keep employees 10, 15, 20 years. That, that yeah. says a lot. Uh, where are you currently with your business? Have you said you're growing? Uh, I looked at your website. You've got a lot of interesting products out there. Yeah, we uh, do. We can talk about that. Um, so we are based in Shelton, Connecticut, about an hour and 10 minutes north of, of New York City. Um, we now have one single location that we've consolidated into in quite a large distribution facility, office facility. We're in a great area. Um, and we sell on a global basis. Now, I don't know how many people are shipping hundreds of thousands of parts um, into China these days, but we wow. are. And we have a very strong international business, and we do sell all across North America. So we're very proud of that fact, the way the business has expanded. And look, you know, there are reasons why a company in California or a company in South America ends up at Modern Plastics. We have a, a myriad of values and value-added services and things that we do, especially when you're talking about medical plastics. 
you know, you send the wrong medical plastic in, you have the wrong certification that goes with it, you have a, an inferior product, you make a mistake, et cetera. We can't make mistakes. We cannot make mistakes. This is a fairly high risk business and quality is absolutely on the forefront of everything that we do here. And, you know, we, we measure the quality and the rejection rates, et cetera. And, you know, out of the tens of thousands of parts, individual items that we ship every year, we can't even measure. I mean, it's like 0. 0.0000 something. It's not even on, it's not even chartable, um, the, the situation that happened. And one of it is because we do barcode all our plastic materials. And you, you really can't ship materials. If the barcodes don't match up. We have a number of procedures uh, in addition to that. Um, but basically, uh, the barcoding system keeps the traceability of these materials, when they were manufactured, where they're manufactured, the lock control numbers on all of that, uh, clearly identify the material, et cetera. And then we have record retentions that we say are 20 years minimum, but really, I mean, they're indefinite um, and they're stored on several underground servers, et cetera. So we have a strong record retention program so that if a company calls us and says, hey, look, you know, um, you shipped us some material 10 years ago. <clears throat> um, we kind of lost track of that. And uh, can you send us the records? And we can pull it up in 10 minutes and send it to them. Wow. Awesome. Well, talk a little bit about your medical stuff. You said you had some stuff to show us. I'd be curious to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. So the, the medical part of the business um, is absolutely fascinating to me. So let's just back up for a second when we talk about plastics. Now, over the years, plastics, you know, can have this connotation that, you know, they, they ruin the environment and they're not good materials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I can tell you that the plastics don't walk into the ocean and create problems, et cetera. And what I can tell you is a lot of that, um, those plastics, the materials that don't break down very quickly, like styrofoam, for example, those are being quickly phased out. And the materials that are used largely for food container storage and other plastic materials you find in the shopping centers, those are quickly being converted over to materials that will degrade, um, let's say, in a landfill over a relatively short period of time, um, safely, by the way. Um, but the plastics that we sell, I will assure you that without them, your life and everyone's life would be drastically different and probably not even functional as we know it today. You couldn't get on an elevator. You couldn't get on an aircraft. Um, we couldn't defend our country the way we do right now with how plastics are used. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on how they're being used. But the, the fascinating part to me has become the medical grade plastics. When we talk about medical grade plastics, we're talking about uh, instrumentation. Um, we're talking about very com various components that are used during the medical process, the surgeries, et cetera. And we're also talking about materials that get implanted in the body. That's and these are saving lives. These are improving lives. Uh, for example, in a knee surgery or hip replacement or a shoulder replacement, um, let's just go back 10, 15 years ago. Uh, if you were 60 years old and you got a new replacement um, with the plastic materials, guess what? You're going to need another one yeah. when you're in your 70s. Today, that's not the case. The advancement and improvements of the materials, these are all FDA 
approved materials. They've been used for a very long time. And what we found out then in a variety of these materials, blood, tissue, bone, love the materials. They're attracted to it. So it helps the healing process. So <clears throat> let's just talk about the instrumentation at first. So this part right here um, is a very big piece of our business. Um, and these are what they call medical caddy trays. Okay. Now, when the doctor and surgery begins, they don't come in with a knapsack full of tools. They come in a caddy tray like that. Everything's lined up, labeled, et cetera. Um, and that's how they pull the tools during the surgery. Now, a lot of this is robotics, but they still need a caddy tray for the various components, okay? Um, after the surgery is over, that product can be put in an autoclave and sterilized and get ready to go for, for the next surgery. Um, so when we talk about the knee trials, here's what happens. So we bring in this material, it comes in 10 foot rods and we cut it to pucks, like around this size. There's a variety of colors. Um, and the reason there's a variety of colors because it ends up getting machined into a part like that, okay? So when the doctor has the knee cut open, he will take maybe this is a 40 millimeter part and he'll try it in the knee. Does it fit? Does it work, et cetera? So then he says, no, this gets tossed. He'll take uh, a yellow color or a red color, which is maybe is a different size. He'll oh. try that. That's why they're called trials before the permanent implant goes in because that's more expensive and we don't want to be throwing out those permanent um, plastic materials that have been machined specifically for those replacements. So there's a big business for us uh, relative um, to these, making these trials, et cetera. Um, so this material would be sent out to a medical device company um, that does the machining uh, for, for the knee trial. And that's a whole nother business and a very, um, very specialized business as well. Let me show you. So this is a screwdriver handle. Okay. And some of these surgeries can get pretty barbaric. I mean, that's just the way they are these days. So, you know, you, you see hammers and chisels and screwdrivers, et cetera, um, but they're made out of a medical grade plastics. Um, I believe this one is either a hip or shoulder replacement. That's, that's what that looks like. Wow, a rotator cuff. Yeah, um, this part right here um, is for a heart delivery system during heart surgery. The heart surgery couldn't occur without this piece of medical grade plastics. Here's a fascinating thing. So you all know about 3D printing, et cetera. This is a 3D peak filament, okay? Um, it's made by a company called Avonic, and we are the sole distributor here in North America for this product. Um, let me tell you what happens here. So the way it's going, let's say someone has a catastrophic uh, brain injury, where maybe part of their skull is missing. So the hospitals now are having these 3D printers in the surgical room. No way. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so what they'll do is they'll take a scan, like a CAD scan of the injury. Now, they'll probably clean it up a little bit if it's jagged, etc. They will produce, after, from that scan, download it into the 3D printer, and produce a peak part which will then get probably adhered, glued or screwed in, et cetera, to the skull and repair the injury. I mean, that's the way things are going. Oh, that's and, amazing, I, I and, didn't know that. Yeah, and, and, and just wait 
for the next five years and 10 years, and you're gonna see some incredible advancements coming. I have one other parts too um, that I wanna show you. So we talk about plastics and the performance of plastics, the wear properties, the chemical resistance, how they're being used in food and beverage. Your food couldn't be produced today without plastics. And we have, we have plastics that detect foreign objects, metal into the process when they're processing foods to safeguard the, the, the food that, that people end up eating. It's phenomenal what's happening. So this is a hinge right here. Um, and this one happens to be, um, I believe for a helicopter door, okay? It's a, it's a metal product, it's heavy, it's costly, um, a little bit difficult to machine, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at advances right now um, through a, a very advanced 3D process um, where we produce a semi-finished part like this, okay? Got it taped together because it does come in, we, do produ we would produce it into several pieces. And then what ends up happening you get a finished part like this that has been um, also compression molded. Now, what's the benefit of something like this? Especially when you talk about aircraft, what's the number one factor they're considering? Yeah, yeah. Weight, perfect. Okay, so there is, this is um, about 60 to 65% less weight than the metal component. The other factor they're considering is the strength and the reliability of that part. This is about 160% stronger than the metal part because of the way the, complex, yeah, the way the complex fibers are interwoven and then put together with the compression molding process. And then the last thing, what are companies looking for? They're looking for cost reductions. Yeah. And this is less than half the price of the metal component. So you can start to gather and understand how plastics is really and has changed the world. And you know what? We're just beginning. We are just beginning, I assure you. Well, let me ask you one thing. Now, with the, uh, you're right, the environmental thing, everybody talks about plastics and so on, but you know, that's, that's a non-starter because you're exactly right. I didn't even know some of the, the things you're talking about, the applications, but it, it is everywhere. But one of the things people don't understand, we're talking about fossil fuels and oils and everything else. Oil goes into plastic. You can't make plastics without oil, right? You can't well, make there's a, there's, oil. A, there's a lot more components than, than just oil. There's a variety yeah. of, of chemicals that, that are used. Um, and, and by the way, um, you know, in our business, 99% of the material that we process, and by the way, everything comes in big size sheets and big rods, and we end up sending it out in small packages because the customers want it cut to size, close tolerance. They want us to do secondary operations on the product through our fabrication division, et cetera. 99% um, 99 of our products are recycled. They do not end up in the dumpster or in a landfill. And uh, that's a great thing. And, uh, and I think most companies uh, in our field um, are doing the same thing as well. So become very conscious of, of, of the materials and making sure they don't end up in the wrong place. You gotcha. Uh, what haven't I asked you about your company that you want to tell? You've done a great job uh, highlighting what you do. Uh, it's impressed me. <laughs> Hopefully some of the listeners will get the same opinion. Thank What's you. your future focus next three to five years? Yeah, well, listen, I, you know, there, there, there's a lot. There's so much happening um, with, with plastics and, you know, in terms of advancement with plastics machining to produce parts. 
um, the fabrication operation that, that we engage in and in, in making various parts. Uh, and, and again, these materials go everywhere from, from Walt Disney World to Lockheed Martin um, to really the most elite companies in the world that, that are using our, our plastic materials. So we see continued growth um, and we've been experienced continue, continued growth in our business um, every year. Um, for a very long time now. It's something we've gotten accustomed to. It's something we appreciate. Um, but, you know, again, there, there's reasons why the business is growing and it's, it's the concentration on the customer. And what I tell our, our salespeople is, look, um, we need to have an obsessive focus on the customer. Don't worry about the competition. I'll take a look at them every now and then. Just worry about the customer. And if we do that, and if we're meeting their needs, and if we're listening to them, what are they looking for from us? Exactly. Where do they see advances coming in the next two, five, 10 years so that we can be ready for it, so that we can be prepared? I don't want to be the last guy uh, into some sort of new venture that's maybe, I say new, but something that maybe uh, we're late to the game on. No, we want to be at the forefront of it. Well, that's, that's, a, that's something that sounds like common sense, but there's a lot of companies that don't do that. They, they, they try to force feed what they're selling, depend and extend strategy, they call it, right? You've got a product, you're going to depend it as long as you can without looking forward to, to uh, innovation and, and change. So I applaud you for that. Well, thank you. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, well, real quickly, you know, listen, uh, uh, with all respect, I think we're up to a million people that have died from COVID uh, at this point in the United States. And, um, uh, you know, quick story, uh, we did pivot in 2020 uh, between uh, Modern Plastics and my parent company. We produced over 50 million plastic face shields um, during that time period when PPE was cut off basically from China. And we didn't know much about this COVID. We knew, you know, it could spread very quickly. It was dangerous. It was killing people. And healthcare workers did not have the right protection. So we're very proud, again, um, that we were in a position to do that. We know plastics. They were made out of plastics. We know manufacturing. We know how to manufacture. Um, and we did a great job uh, during COVID doing that. Um, also, you know, every business is dealing with supply chain issues and, and, and we're no different uh, right now. Um, logistics, raw material shortages, price increases, um, you know, shortage of even things like boxes, cardboard material or propane to run our tow motors, et cetera. So my point is you got to be really smart these days to run a business and you have to be strategic in how you're um, acquiring your materials on a timely basis, because if you don't have a product to sell, you're going home. That's it. So you got to think about all these things. And look, they're all challenges. And with all respect, again, to the COVID situation, I'm just weary of the pivot stories. And I'm weary about people complaining that we can't find employees and inflation and everything else. Well, guess what? As a business owner, as a CEO, as a president, it is your job to figure this out and to figure ways around it. Because every year you're faced with a new challenge and you can't go backwards. You gotta figure out ways around it. So that's how we view the business. And that's you know why we've been successful. Uh, you know, you couldn't have gave me a better commercial than what you just said, because I've been writing articles you know, for the last 30 years. But what I've been saying is all this stuff externally 
they have limited control over. You've got to manage carefully what you can control. Yeah. Your turnover, why is that happening? Your, your waste and your production process. You're all those things that you can sit back and worry about taxes or regulation. Everybody has those. It doesn't yeah. make any difference, but you've got to manage what you can manage closer to the vest, right? You got to have KPIs in place. So I, you, you just sold my, my <laughs> strategy for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> there you go. And listen, I know we're running out of time, but uh, I'll just close um, by, by saying this. And I got to put in a little plug for our great city of Shelton here in Connecticut. I was recently appointed by Mayor Mark Loretti um, to chairman of the Economic Development Commission. Um, Shelton is a beautiful town, about 40,000 residents. We're situated in a really beautiful location between Boston and New York City, and we can serve the entire country from here. Um, but it's really become quite the manufacturing mecca uh, here in the state of Connecticut. We're quite the envy uh, town here in the state of Connecticut. So very proud to be in Shelton. And in terms of reaching me, um, I'm very transparent. Uh, I put out my cell phone, 203-414-1559. Someone wants to talk to me, text me, whatever, ask questions. I'll, I'll do the best I can to answer that. Um, my email is on the website, modernplastics.com but it's bcarbone at modernplastics.com, S on the N, one word, modern plastics. Um, and I'm always available. And I'm, of course, I have a LinkedIn profile and people are welcome to connect with me. Awesome. Well, listen, thanks for your time. I appreciate your, your being here. It was interesting. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. I, I hope uh, we talked about some good subjects and I hope it can help a few people. So I do too. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain that would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harsberger uh, or through my website, www.martinharsberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.